This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. I don't, I don't say this lightly at all. When I say that we have an unbelievable schus of having Rabbi Lapiansky come to our yeshiva, this is a Rosh Hashiva who is world-renowned over the world. I personally have a tremendous, tremendous amount of Akar Satov, the Rosh Hashiva, for the Sfarm that he puts out, for the Shiurim that I and many, many thousands of people listen to um, over the world. He has a, the Rosh Hashiva has a, has a website just listing all of his Shiurim and Maharal, which I personally am indebted to him for. Um, Rosh Hashiva is famously... Many titles, but one of his famous brother-in-law of, of Rosh Hashim Finkel, Zatzal, where I learned in Mir Yeshiva. And um, this is just an unbelievable schlitz. Every single year, myself and all of the Rebbeim look so forward to the Q&A with, with the Rosh Hashiva. And uh, I'm sure you'll understand why as the night uh, progresses. So without further ado... Um... So, first of all, it's very special being here, especially since there's a lot of cross-traffic. And what's especially gratifying is you see Bachram that you know, and you don't recognize them, because something changed in them. Maturity, the Torah, and it's, it's a beautiful transformation, um, becoming the person that you need to become. And you see it on, on everything. So it's, it's very gratifying to, to see what happens to Bachrim, as they, they're immersed in learning, they, they learn, they understand, they think, they grow, and, and it's an amazing tkuf, and use it, use it as well as you can. Okay, the first question, Just, we're going to ask you a few questions that were prepared beforehand, if we have time, then you guys can feel free and ask afterwards. First question, what should be our personal response to terror attacks, and how should we as Jews react? Terror what? Terror, terror attacks. Um, it's it's very hard to think about it in Seichel because it's so horrible. Um, it's it used to be that war was a constant, and when people davened for shalom and people davened for for saving us from this and that, the other one, it was natural. Today, it's kind of erratic, and it you know there'll be a long tkuf of quiet and then all of a sudden things will break loose. So I think the first thing is to take some of the incredible emotions and spread it so every time that you're davening, and every time there's Berchaz Kanim, and he says, Yascha Shalom, to understand that it means this, that this could happen any time, and if it's not happening, it's because the Kaddish Baruch is there for us. There are so many things that can go wrong. Miss the terrorists. Somebody decides a craze to pick up a gun and go, and, and so many things. We, I, I don't think we appreciate enough what it means to have shalom, and what and and how much hashgacha goes into having that shalom. So I think that's the first thing. I like to I like to add a second point that I sometimes find bothersome. It tends to rouse our passions. 
and not always the best in us. The response to a terror attack is never, let's go and do it to them. That's animal instincts. The response needs to be cold, calculated. How do we stop it? What can we do with it? But the type of rabble-rousing, kill them all, do this, all that, that, that taps into a very unhealthy part of us. And a bentero who weighs things, thinks about things, should be able to say, A, my incredible emotion of being mishtatif betzar chavero, being nosibaol, my understanding there's a problem, and whoever has to deal with it has to, in a very cold and calculating way, decide what are appropriate steps. But, but it tends to bring out, I'm sometimes aghast at the level of responses that you get in different sites and so on. You know, kill them all, a bunch of animals, this, that, the other thing. That's not the way a Ventura, a Torah person should respond. A person, you know, A, no one's asked our opinion. We're not running the, the army or the government. For those people who will be in the army, it means there'll be, there'll be a sacrifice to do things. But the responses need to be with one goal. What do you do to help as much human process as stop it? So two things are, first of all, um, appreciating the bracha of Shalom when it does have. We don't know how many attacks were foiled, either because of the incompetence of the people or because of the, the efficiency and awareness of the, of the of IDF and HaKadosh Baruch Hashkacha. And we need also to learn to separate our violent instincts from our seichel. Playing, playing sports seems to be taken more seriously by religious Jews, some as a profession, others on a collegiate level. Is this taking sports too far? And what are the Rishwashiva's thoughts? So a person needs to ask himself, there are many activities in the world, and everyone has varying degrees of value. So, Torah mitzvahs is the primary, it, it's the primary activity that makes a person what he is. There are other activities that have a value, an associate value. Beauty, music, you had the music, you had the Kavros of Eres. It brings out finer aspects of a human being. And one can find a certain place, a Besaknesis, has to be beautiful. When, you, when you're in a shul that's nice, and a base medrash that's well-lit and bright and so on, it's conducive. A person needs to do physical work to be healthy, exercise, physical work, and so on. That's good. But to create a world of meaningless activities and, 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 and get swept up with it, and feel that this is, this is the height and pinnacle, to associate any emotional value to something that is inherently meaningless. It's a sort of, I don't want to use the word strongly um, in, a, in a way that, you know, I can hear somebody quote me that I said it's about a Zara. But that's exactly what a Zara is. You take something that's inherently meaningless, you give it a lot of um, emotional vibrancy, and you get swept up with it. You can, you can bang the drums loud and dance around. To create a league and a championship and disappointments and achievements, for what? For something that's inherently nothing. 
music, art, science are something. They're a chitzonius, but it's something. It contributes, it, it taps into something better. Who can kick a ball further or hit a ball further? What is that, what is that addressing? What is that apprising? What, what is it? So, so, so <coughs> understanding that it's something, so if a person relaxes once in a while by going to a game, fine, relaxation is a fine thing. But to get involved with these emotional juices churning, someone once asked me in the high school by us if he's allowed a davam that his team should win. And I told him, that question makes me very happy. Because I understand that all sick people have been healed, all poor people have plenty to eat, and all singles have been married. And the next thing on the list is that the team should win. That's amazing. But, but, but you know, is it, what does it mean? Like, and, and, and to a person to be able to say to himself, it's nothing. And I shouldn't give importance to something that's nothing. Rafutna writes a lot about the concept of erech, which means giving value to something as being uniquely human. An animal either likes it or doesn't like it. The idea of saying this is important, this is more important, this is worth this, this is worth that, and he has a lot of places where he shows the word erech, erkecha, and so on, are unique human um, abilities. So giving values and asking ourselves <coughs> how important is it, and if it's meaningless, then why would I want to let some of my emotions get so involved with it? How does Rosh Hashiva feel about boys going to co-ed camps to be counselors and to have a tremendous religious influence on the kids in the camp? Parenthetically, many guys feel like, like they are where they are today and have grown due in part to the counselors that they had. If they do not go there, oftentimes either there won't be enough counselors or the counselors that are there will not be as religious and won't be as positive impacts on the, on the, on the campers. So if, if this is a type of question that should be asked individually, if I can just give a sort of a, a, a structure for understanding these things. Imagine um, somebody's drowning. You see someone drowning, and you want to jump in and save the person. That's incredibly noble. Let's say it's very not clear that you have the strength to swim to that place. And two people end up drowning instead of one. Halachically, that probably would be usher. But because even though the intention is very noble, but you're losing something. It's, it's a question not only in a co-ed camp. What happens when a young person, a very dynamic, charismatic person, is engaged in Kirov? And Kirov requires, well, being Kirov. You, you can't be Makai of a person by standing, you know, a dozen meters away and shouting Chachmas uh, at them. There's a certain embrace, even if it's not physical, you connect with people. And a young charismatic person connecting with women is a problem. And you need somebody to tell you, listen, you are the type of person that you'll end up losing another person. Yeah, you may, you may still wear a yarmulke, but you'll be doing things that are far worse than not wearing a yarmulke. Or somebody can say, listen, I think you're very responsible. I think you have tremendous co-hosts. And let's give some guidelines and, let's, and, let's, and let me be with you. But it's very important to have that. I once heard, I was once sitting next to a Chabad Shliach. And I don't remember, I, I noted two places. I don't remember which one the Rebbe said yes or not. There was, East, there was Greenwich Village and New York University. 
one of them, he was a shliach on one of them, and the Rebbe did not allow him to be a shliach on the other one. I don't remember which one, uh, they, but it does make a difference. The, the, the story is, makes no difference for the, which one it is. And the Rebbe said, over there, not. And he asked the Rebbe, why not? And the Rebbe said, when you go to these places, you're wallowing in the muck. And the only reason why you survive is because I bend down and I'm holding on to you. This, in the village, I can't bend down that far to hold on to you. That's what the Shleich told me. So maybe the other way around, but, that, but that's the, it was one of the two. Understand, you have an obligation for yourself and an obligation towards the other. Asking somebody who knows you, understands you, understands how important it is you are, and if you can't, in other words, you don't send people to save drowning people if it's very not clear that they really have the ability to do it. If it's a stormy ocean and people start running into it, you end up with more dead people, not less dead people. If the person is strong and capable and he knows that this is what he can do, then there's no bigger mitzvah. When we have the ability to uproot Mistora due to other outside knowledge, the, the example given is Rashbi. Uh, there are sources that say Rashbi was, did not write the Zohar. So if we have Mistora that he did, what do we do with those? So the problem is when you have these <laughs> sweeping statements, um, a lot of times they're not precise. In other words, we have a Mesorah means what? Which part of the Zohar, who, what, when, where? You know, people like to say things in a sweeping way, and there are, there are items in the Zohar that we have clearly, a clear Mesorah that they're very original. There are other items we have less of Masaurus on. If, if the Masaurus is firm, then we have to, um, th- th- then, then we say to ourselves, no, it, that's, it, it is. It's, it's, we, we know the information. Most, I, I want to I, I explain something about academic analysis versus Masaurus, if the Masaurus is accurate. Somebody who is sitting now and examining things that were is guessing. Sometimes the guess is on mark. Sometimes it's quite good. Sometimes there's a piece missing. Let's take a simple example. Imagine somebody's on trial for some sort of crime. And there's evidence. So, I don't know if today people grew up in Sherlock Holmes, but I grew up in Sherlock Holmes and the, and the detective takes that big magnifying glass, and looks at the hair, and he looks at this, looks at that, the other thing, and so on and so forth, he puts it together. Honestly, we say, it's interesting. I can't call it as something definite. If you have the cameras recording it, then I say, okay, we know exactly what happened. We have a camera here. If the Mesorah kept, that means that we know exactly what happened. And then we have to sort out how come we have irregularities. Because at the end of the day, somebody standing today and working his way backwards is guessing. Sometimes the guess is built on a lot of very strong points. But at the end of the day, it's just guessing. Um, I'll, I'll share a story about how two people... It, it, it's something that happened to me, that guessing and what happened is, is two different stories. When we were expecting what turned out to be our twins, 
Um, it was Shabbos morning, and like in the middle of the morning, my wife said, I think we need to go to the hospital. You're certainly allowed to take a cab to go to the hospital. It's just we lived in the middle of Azabira. It would have meant that we'd have a hundred people sharing in our simcha before the simcha was. Not comfortable. So at that time, there was no Kvish Echad. There was, um, there was Arab, an Arab shuna, sort of connected. It sort of, the, the streets sort of ran into an Arab neighborhood, uh, Sheikh Zara, whatever it was, and, and that's, that was it. So I told her, listen, I'm going to go there, I'm going to flag a cab, and then I'll drive up to very close to, like, Shimonat Sadek, opposite where Samech is, you'll get on over there, and we'll go. And that's what I did. I went to that place, there was a couple standing there, and I told them I'm going to flag a cab, I was going to hospice, of course. And, and, you know, flagged the cab. A hundred meters down, we stopped, picked her up, and went. That was the end of the story. Four months later, I'm walking the old city. I was teaching the Torah. And a person who was from Osemech, I eaten bus a few times, was walking by. And I said, oh, Chaim, what's doing? Very nice. I'm going back. Everything's okay. Good. And so on. Then he paused and says, I really need to ask you something. You'll excuse me. I need to ask you something. He said, I was standing on the steps of the yeshiva on a Shabbos morning, and I saw you walk out where nobody was looking, and grab a cab. You looked hale and healthy, there was nobody else with you, and you went off with a cab. What's this? And I said, Baruch Hashem, I had a chance to clear it up, because he would have gone after us like the saying, you think the rabbis are so holy? I was like, oh no, I saw him grab, and he was right, he did see it, but he didn't see the story, because a hundred meters down, my office was waiting. And I told him, and that was, you know, so I cleared it up. I felt it was Hashkacha, that I just bumped into him. I happened to be teaching in the summer, extra class, whatever it was. So, when you work your way backwards, you're always guessing. So, scholarly works takes things and says, well, if it's brought here, if it's brought there, it could have been, it should have been, it's probably, which is fine. But if we do have, whatever we have a clear Mesoris on, that, then we have a camera there. The question is, people lump together and say everything. We have to clarify what piece of emissaries, where's the emissaries, and so on. But if we have a emissaries, then we know what happened. Whereas when you have uh, a guess, it's a guess. I, I want to maybe sort of broaden this a little bit. The same thing is true about how the world came into being. Science, it's two different words. When science deals with phenomena that are happening now, it's either a fact or it's not a fact. They, 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 you, they test it and they say that X heat will melt this plastic. It either does or doesn't. But they're speaking about something that is. When they're looking back at the past, you are guessing based on evidence. The evidence can be quite strong. And, you could, and, and so on. But it's never a fact. And that's why when the word science is confused, when, when you're talking about something that happens now and will always happen, the heat that will melt this plastic um, will, should always be the same. But where did this plastic come from? And maybe it has an inscription on it, and maybe it looks like plastic that's similar and so on, is a guess. It could be an extremely... a, a, a guess that's established on a lot of good evidence. But it's never more than that. And that's why when we have a clear mesaurus, we know. Yes? Questions from science? Or we can just say that science is over there, and we have a Messiah, and we can just 
So if a person, the Rambam says, uh, the Rambam says that a person is not allowed to raise questions. So I believe the understanding of it, it is a halacha. It, it ain't talking about ikra emuna. If a person is not bothered by a question, then why raise a question? There's, but if a person is bothered, a person has read, a person has seen, a person has heard, and it bothers him, you have to resolve it. You can't live with something that's... In, sometimes you can say, I don't have a clear answer. That's, that's also... But that, that, a question that, that you've been way to wear you and it bothers you, one needs to deal with it. <coughs> what does the Rishishiba feel about a person, Shana Aleph or Shana Bet, having or continuing to have a girlfriend in a serious relationship if they think that they might actually get married, but it would only be a couple of years down the line? So this is an issue that has two components to it. First of all, to maximize a boy-girl relationship is extremely intense, <laughs> involving your emotions, your feelings, your heart, a lot. And it's meant to be that way. But in the years in yeshiva, when you need to develop that in learning, you, the, the, the ideal development is when you can sit down in the middle of the night and say, it's just me and the Gemara, and knowing Pshat Nesugya. That's, that's an ideal connection to Torah and Takadosh Baruch If a person has already become very involved in a relationship, it tends to crowd it out. It's very hot. So one aspect is it may, it may um, rob you of the experience that you need to develop in learning in the Torah and the Yiddishkeit. And the second one is, it's extraordinarily difficult to maintain a relationship like that without crossing a red line. And a person needs to understand, you know, a person needs to understand that I'm a human being, and it is normal and natural for a person to have very strong, intense feelings. And red lines tend to crumble. So those are two points that a person should take into account and, and should give a chajma nefesh about them. <laughs> the, the Baal Shem says that everything that happens to us is a shatta process. None of the Rishonim really take that to that approach. How should we view the shita, being that it doesn't really have roots in Rishonim? So, that is a, a very interesting question. The Rishonim speak about, you're talking about hashkacha process on every item in the world. Yeah. So, the, the, let's. I, I'll, I'll try to explain it the way I. Okay, fine. Um, the, the Rishonim who speak about Hashkacha almost all, everyone differentiates between Hashkacha on animals and everything else in the world to the Hashkacha on people. Meaning, people have a personal Hashkacha, a personal providence of Akadosh Baruch Hu. Animals and other entities don't. It's called Ashkacha Klolis. So it's cows. As cows as Ashkacha. The Baal Shem Tev is quoted as saying that if a blade of grass falls on a little bug, it's because HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed it there for a reason. That's, that's quoted, and, it's, and, and the way it's presented, it sounds like a contradiction, um, and there is no earlier source for that. I'm going to try to explain what I think is the Pshat. 
in, in, and again, I, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, it's, it's something that obviously bothers anyone. It, it's not one piece. It's, it's almost all Hasidic uh, Sfarim um, hold by it. Imagine I ask why this person is going through a tough time. Why? So, we don't know the answer, but we know there's a reason why he is going through a tough time. He may need to be disciplined for something. He may need to be challenged with something. He may have done something wrong. But there's a reason that the buck stops with me, with you, with him. Every single person can possibly understand what happened to them with him as the bottom line, with him or her as the bottom line. That is Hashgach HaPratis. How maneuvers... Now, if a particular cow dies, there is no way that we can translate it that has to do with the various the cow did, or the challenges for the cow, or anything about the cow. However, if cows are dying, there's less milk. A farmer's losing his pinosa. A lot of carcasses laying around. There's 101 things in a chain of events that are happening that affect us, people. Kachparov created the world for people, and everything that happens is either a feedback to us, a challenge to us, a prompt. <coughs> Somewhere along the line, it connects a person. That's Hashgacha Pratis. Everything else, so I can, I can look at it and say there's a reason why the cow died, but it has nothing to do with the cow. It has to do with how that affects a person or people. So what the Balsanto is trying to say is events that happen in the world are all engineered. It, they happen because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going through a process. But I don't think he means in any way that the process has to do with the particular item. It has to do with a person. So somewhere along the line, a person is affected. So the Baal Shem Tov is speaking about the mechanics of things happening in the world. Everything happens with a reason. The Rishonim are speaking, who is the butt of the reason? Who's the one that, 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 that we need to understand is being affected? I think that that's the way to understand the two. So it's a personal understanding, but I, I do think it, it, it brings the two sheets in a way together and that not in conflict. <coughs> what, should, who, what should I be looking for for a Rebbe in life? For life? <coughs> First of all, you have a good yeshiva, a good rebbeim. That's definitely a, a, a good start. I would say two things. You need to find, there are many drachim in Avodah Hashem. And not every derech is for everyone. Every derech is for a different type of person. And that's why there are appropriate different types of people. There are many types of chesidim, there are many types of litvishivas, there are many types of yaki communities. There are many, many types of communities. And each one, people fit into a certain community. You need a rav that you feel his derech is a derech that fits you. Two, you need to feel that he's a person who has, has traveled much further along on the derech than you have. The Pasuk speaks about creating a leader for Kal Yisrael, and Moshe Rabbeinu says, the one that walks before them and takes them along with him, the one that comes in before them and takes them. So you need to have someone whose quality is you feel that 
he's gone to a certain place. It's the place that you feel you ought to be. And someone understands you. And just to pick at random somebody who doesn't know you, doesn't understand you, or just a person you can't relate to, is difficult. So finding a person, and that means even when things are tough, and you, you may not like a particular point, that's part of having a Rebbe. So as long as the general derech is a derech that you feel is your derech, the right derech for you, and as long as the person is of caliber and he understands you, then part of it is sometimes saying, okay, I, I don't know, this one is a tough one, but he's my Rebbe. So it's not easy. Finding a Rebbe is not easy. But if you, if you want to have, have something to hold on to in life, it's, it's really critical. What is required to be a, a true mentor in the workforce? So the first thing is you need to be a mentor before you go work. So if you're not a mentor before, it's not going to happen later. That, that's the number one. And, and I'm, I'm seriously, th- this is the year, years in your life when you develop the inner self. This is who you are, the etzim, meaning essentially this is who you are. This is a person who's completely ruchin and so on. HaKadosh Baruch sent us out to the world. And for the vast majority of people, um, working <coughs> in the world and engaging is the path. But you always need to measure it with what's really important in life. The problem is not the challenges per se. The problem is what becomes meaningful to us. In a yeshiva, if you're engaged, knowing, understanding, doing what's right, um, giving of yourself, being selfless, are the values to look up to. And, and if I feel, as much as I feel I'm growing there, I feel good about myself. Guess what? When you go outside, the world has zero regard for these things. It has to do about being powerful, wealthy, um, living it up. There are many other things that are admired, and almost none of these qualities. The first and most important piece is to say to yourself, yes, these are the qualities that are real. Everything else around the world, is, it, it comes and it goes. The powerful, the wealthy, and so on. It doesn't last. It looks wonderful at some point, and, and it eats up. The people know that they haven't found it. There's a story in one of Nachman's stories about a king that he had a dream that the whole kingdom would go crazy. And there's a footnote there that was, it, it was not uncommon because the grain used to have a fungus that produced psychedelics. Do not go looking for it. They, 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 we don't have them around today. They, they, they were once upon a time, and that's that. Um, so he called his advisors and asked them what to do. So they said, well, we're going to make a, a separate storehouse of grain for the king, and the king is going to eat the good, the good grain and not become poisoned. Then they had second thoughts. And they said, a sane king can't rule over an insane kingdom. So you're going to have to eat the stuff like everybody else, and, and become insane. The difference is you're going to have a ring around your finger, and it'll say on it, remember, you're crazy. That will be what sets you aside. This, if a person looks around and says to himself, this is real, this is emis. People who've spent their life in Ruchnius, in Torah and Avodah, are happy each minute. They're fulfilled, 
and 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 they they they're incredible in terms of their their token. We're going to be immersed in a world that's going to really buffet that and and try to dislodge it. They've had in the recent years they've had some wonderful things called Yarchikala where people come back to Shivas for a week to learn, the Mir has it, the good organized it, and so on. It's incredible because what it does is reconnects you. You remember again the feeling of being up a half a night working on a Ksos and trying to figure it out. You remember what it's like to daven without the phone ringing, without any distractions, and just davening. You remember what it's like to see people that are really elevated. There's something about them so spiritual. So finding these time to time to reconnect and say to yourself, I need to remember what's thicker and what's tougher. Who, who am I really and what am I working for? Those are, that's the beginning of, of being able to, to, to hold on to yourself while, while you're in, a, in, in, the, in, the, in the carousel of life. If I start to take religion a little bit more seriously than my friends do back at home, how do I handle those relationships and friendships now? What, I, what do you mean? In terms of the person being turned off, or what's the... What's the if I'm more religious now than my friends, how do I have a continued relationship with them, or should I continue a relationship with them? So two things. A person shouldn't throw away relationships, friendships so easily, but a person shouldn't throw himself away so easily. In other words, um, I am who I am, because I realize that this is right. I'm not rejecting another person, but <laughs> if, he, if he's not willing to give me the acknowledgement what I need, that the things I won't do, and so on and so forth, <coughs> then he's trying to take away from me, rob me from what I am. So rejecting people wholesale is not appropriate, but being very strong about who you are, and also developing a chevra. A person needs chevra. So it's not a question, having chevra less religious than you is nowhere near as important or bad as having chavah that is like you. If you have a society of people, a base medrash, a place to, to be, we have people that are like-minded. This is their world of ruchnias. That is more critical than, than, than disengaging from friendships. <coughs> Questions from the crowd. Um, how should a bacher in yeshiva, or I guess a person in life, approach days where it's difficult to act in the ruchnias, when learning? So, I, I guess... The best analogy would be um, almost everybody's parents are working somewhere. We assume that you work in a place that generally fits what you wanted. If you're a doctor, you want to be a doctor, lawyer, a lawyer. More or less, people choose careers based on what they like. But I would doubt that anyone has a father or mother that wakes up in the morning and says, I can't wait to get to the office. I must get to the office. It's, it's amazing. I, I don't think anyone that, and if you do, please tell me. I, w- I would love to, to work for that, for that company or whatever it is. And the answer is you do it because you have to do it. The music of responsibility. A person raises a family. Not always are kids easy. I have news for you. Their babies cry, and teenagers are not always easy. But their responsibility. This is what you have to do. So looking at that, where there are things in life that you do when you want to do it, and there are things in life you do because... It's responsibility. That's a backbone for doing. 
if you do it no matter what, because you have to do it, in time, you, you, you develop a lot of cheshek. It's strong learning. I'm sure many of you who've, who've, who've started the learning, and it wasn't easy, but if, if you press yourself to do what you're supposed to do, and, and, and show up and, and listen and so on, with time, it began to become actually quite enjoyable. But the backbone of it is always this obligation. That's the Aleph. Then it, it, it starts kicking in the pleasure, the enjoyment of it. Yeah. With, uh, with so many rabbeim, big rabbeim around who give shares all the time, how do you figure out when you should go hear their Torah versus learn your own Torah? So, so there are different stages, first of all, different stages in life. You know, it's, it's like anything. You start by getting a lot of shiurim, and then you slowly develop your own. And you have to be honest. Are you, you know, are you copying out? Or, or do you actually have, you're, you're beginning to be on your own? And, and every person should have something that, you know, th- there are people that who say shiur, no matter how far down the road, I have what to, what to get. In the mid-yeshiva, as in many yeshivas, there were two tiers of shiurim. There was something called a, a blat shir, which means a daily shir. That was for younger talidim. And the focus was to develop the skills needed to learn. And then there was what's called a shir kloli once a week. It would be like an entire sugya on a higher level. And that was meant to be more for the people who don't need the daily shir, but want to hear what Reb Nachum says, what Reb Chaim says, and so on. So it's a gradual process of developing. And it also means that um, there are, the person always, person always feel that there's someone big that he needs to hear from. It, it, it puts one in the right in, in, in the right perspective. Yes. Um, I'm wondering what makes a how is it possible for a physical experience to be non-physical or spiritual, and also how is music spiritual? So let's start with the first one. Um, I always say. Take a look at a wedding, and you see the parents of the of the and Kala, especially if it's taking them a while to get married, and they make a lachayim, and the tears in their eyes, and you see that lachayim, and you say, there's so much, so much spiritual that lachayim. They're expressing their hopes, their aches, their their Baruch Hu, the final, you know. Yeshua, that Baruch Hashem, the kids are establishing a family, and, it, and it's a very beautiful, ruchnistic experience, even though it's with a cup of whiskey. You look at the other corner, the young boys, you know, around the bar, drinking up. It doesn't strike you as being a ruchnistic experience. It's very spirited, but not spiritual. Um, it, 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 and you say to yourself, here, look at this, and look at this. You walk into, in your home on Shabbos, the, 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 the physical trappings, that, that it's nice, that there's flowers, that the food is different, that, the, that, that things are different, contribute a lot to your, to your sense of it. So beauty and music, all in the Beis HaMikdash, you had Shira and you had music. The, the Beis HaMikdash was built in a way that was magnificent. Um, the, the, the Kohanim wore B'gadim HaKavosiferes. So when you integrate physical and certainly beauty and music, which are more than physical, they're, they're kind of more spiritual than the, than the mere physical. If it's integrated as part of spiritual experience, it is. It's very special. If it's just flat, and, 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 and you just, you know, that's all you cared about was 
the trappings, then you've missed out. <coughs> yes? How do you balance your life in the base and also seeking in Hashem, the, the world that Hashem made for us? So, the, 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 and I, I think it's a very good point. I think it, it, helps, it helps hammer home this point. What does a person appreciate? For instance, if I see a flower, I appreciate that it's nice. If a botanist sees a flower, he sees so much more in it. He, he sees all the different parts of it, and he has a much deeper perception. We both see the flower, but I see a flower. It's a pink flower. And he sees, wow, look at the way the leaves are arranged, and look at the way the, 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 you, know, you have the stem and this, and this and that. The other thing... So, looking at something gives you a certain sense depending on your perspective. If a person develops his ruchnistika self in a base medrash, when he looks around the world, he sees something else. Two people look at the same world. They look around and say, what a magnificent world. What a beautiful world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created it, and he, he gave us beauty. There was a word from... Rav Chaskosaner. Rav Chaskosaner was a yeshiva, Chavri yeshiva, and one of the most notable scions of Slavaki yeshiva, which looked at things like that in that perspective. And he said, we say in Benching, the Yisraelis call Kula, Bechein, Bechesed, Uvrachmin. So Chesed means mercy, Rachmin means mercy, Chesed means goodness, mercy. That makes a lot of sense. What does the word Chein come in? What, how does the, what does the word Chein relate? So he said in his inimicable way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made food for us. An apple could have been black, hard, and tasteless, and we'd have to eat it because there's nothing else to eat, so we're stuck. It's like a person has an IV. You, you, you have no choice. This is what you're eating, and that's that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us an apple. It's beautiful. It has aroma. It's crisp. It tastes. The chain that Kaddish Baruch Hu put into the world is something that adds another dimension of connection. So if a, person, if a person develops his spiritual sensitivity, then the world around looks so much more beautiful to him. And that's, and that's um, where it comes in, where it, where it connects to, to what you pick up as Medish. But if you never develop that, then you just, you just shove it down your throat. You don't, you don't actually pause and have that sensitivity to say that you gave us a world that's so much beauty to it, so much chain to it. That that that's an eye that's developed in the base medrash. Yes. Yeah. So what does Rabbi think about studying classical contemporary philosophy? So uh, uh, the word philosophy is very broad. And let's, let's take one, the, the classical Aristotelian philosophy that the Rambam very much was strongly positive about is much more, um, what's the right word for it? It's a continuation of natural science. And, and that, that was Aristotle. There's the world, there's the items, and how the world works follows a certain logical pattern. And then, and then it, it, it becomes metaphysics. It sort of stretches, and that's why the celestial bodies were considered to be an intermediary, so that things 
are in motion for a reason, is a truth, and so on and so forth. That's a type of philosophy that doesn't need to clash with Torah. It can sometimes, but in its essence, it's a type of science. We don't subscribe to that science. It's not our way of looking at things, but it's there. But when a person is presenting a worldview, the problem with it is that we're people. And if a person has a very beautiful, charismatic, powerful presentation, we're swept up with it. And, and, and we don't always have the, 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 the wherewithal to, to push back. Let's give an example. Communism, once upon a time, was considered the truth. And the great philosophers bought into it, lock, stock, and barrel. I mean, a, a, the great names of Europe in that time bought into it. And, and, and they wrote the most powerful, sweeping uh, <coughs> manifestos, uh, you know, to, to drawing people in. And it was a horrendous monster that destroyed everything. So were they not smart? They were smart. But they were swept up. They, they were seduced. So philosophy has in itself the element, depending on the philosopher, sometimes it's dry and boring, and that type you don't want to read anyway. But sometimes a person writes, and it's very powerful and beautiful. Is it the truth, or is it because we're seduced by the music? There's an there's a extraordinary drushes around he says the following. He asks, the most important task of a Navi is to speak to the people. So how could a Kaddish Baruch Hu choose Moshe Rabbeinu, who was a Kvad Peh? It doesn't make sense. It's like the, the job description is to make speeches. So therefore we're going to choose somebody who stammers, who, 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 who can't speak. That, that's, what, what does that mean? It, it's, it's almost an oxymoron. How can you have a prophet that can't speak? Why? So the Joshua Aran says, we trace our Yiddishkeit back to Moshe Rabbeinu. If he would have been a beautiful, powerful speaker, we'd say, yes, everybody was taken by him because he was this amazing speaker. Yemach Shemoy Vezichroy from Germany had a mesmerizing effect on his audience. And that's one of the reasons how people got swept up. That many other reasons, but that was part of it. The Torah says Moshe Rabbeinu's speech, his, his ability to speak, was very difficult. And if we followed him, it's because of the truth of the message. It had nothing to do with the power and persuasion of his words. And that's just one other thing. So if somebody writes well, he has a lot of um, persuasion. And, and the writing is very charismatic. Can I be sure that I won't be swept up with it? So that's that's a reason why a person should ask himself that question before before he goes further. Yes. Um, I, I know that it's, 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 the Yitzhahara for money exists in all circles. It does not discriminate between Manorafax, Hasidish, Litvish, Baruch Hashem, the Yitzhahara is really fair. Yitzhahara is one thing about the Yitzhahara. He's an equal opportunity seducer. He, he goes across the board. It's, it's everywhere. And it, it's, it, 
it's a, it is one of the challenges of our generation. There were challenges not long ago of people not having enough, and today we're challenged where we have so much, where we we we, we forget the icker, and 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 we run after the tuffle. It's something that the message has to come. No matter what your path in Yiddishkeit is, the message has to come from Torah. The reason why pursuing a career that is only about being, making money and being successful without much anything else is a Torah problem. And that's where it has to come from. Modern orthodoxy differs in the sense what careers are appropriate, let's say, and how much should be invested. That's, that's one thing. But that the Iker is Torah, and that the good in Torah is, is, the, is, is, the, is the place where everything should come from, that's across the board. And, and the problem is, HaKadosh Baruch gave our generation this issue that we sometimes forget, and we forget where we are because of, of Baruch Hashem the Shefa. HaKadosh Baruch should open our eyes without having to, to go through a difficult Hashem times. Yes? Do you feel that in the life of the Torah there's any place for clean non-Jewish music? So, let's look at music. Um, if music is something that, uh, let's say, if it's music without words, so music relaxes you, it helps for people who have a musical need, that's positive. If it comes with words, there's a message kind of coming through. So, again, let's separate halacha. Halachically, if there's nothing wrong with the words and, and, and so on, <coughs> You know, it's hard to pin an iser. But should a person's emotions and feelings and direction be resonate with what somebody who's not a Torah person? And these are a lot of these are a lot of nuances. But I would think that it's 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 something that is not appropriate. You know, if my instinctive music is words that are meaningless or words that mean something that has no content, no Yiddish content, why? Yeah? Let's say you have a Pacher who, who, let's say he's criticized that he's been in the ship for two, three years, and now he's balancing a schedule where it's, let's say, half learning, half working. When should a Pacher like that know when it's time for him to start uh, moving on and looking for a ship? So these are things that are extremely helpful to have a Rebbe figure. Some of the factors are, are you ready to run a home? In other words, it takes a certain maturity. It takes, on the one hand, we all would like to get married. On the other hand, it comes with a lot of responsibility. There's another person in your life. And, and it, there's always going to be a challenge to get along. It has nothing to do with, with how, much, how much you want that person. At the end of the day, it's two separate people. It's building a home, taking on responsibilities, kindness, etc. You want to ask somebody who understands you, understands life, give you some input. Because it, it, arguably it's the most important decision you'll ever make in life. What your life will look like in the long run depends a lot on your marriage. That's the type of that's the environment you live in, that's like the family you'll have, that's the kids, those are, the, the, those are going to be the opportunities you have and the challenges. So v- to work with somebody who understands it, get the input, get some input. And I, I think that that's critical for, it, for something like that. Yeah? Um, what, is, what is the best for, for a 
<laughs> you're talking about Musa, Gemara is a great place to start, but 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 so I would say the hardest question to answer is what Sefer should I learn? What I would suggest is look around what other people are learning, and they seem to they seem to like spend an hour or two looking at at each one of these firms and ask yourself, does it speak to you? Because really, what you're looking for is something that speaks to you. Because that's at the end of the day, that will make the change. Hopefully, all this firm, the message is a good message. But the question is, are those words the words that resonate with your heart? So, so it, it take out some time, look around what other people find inspiring, and go through a bit and get a sense of what you find to be inspiring. There's no other way around. Yes. Does the Rosh find it more valuable and more in line with the mentor lifestyle to have a job that you find more meaningful? Um, and more enjoyment with, but you don't have as much time for Torah learning, or a job that you not necessarily hate, but you don't find much meaning, you find it mundane, but you have a lot more time. So again, th- this, is, this is also a very important decision. It depends a lot on what it means, more meaning. In other words, a person who's in medicine, and he feels he's helping people and so on, there's a lot of value to that. A person who very much enjoys a particular area, doesn't enjoy the other area, you do have to, um, you do have to have a job that 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 sort of feeds you in the sense that you like what you're doing, that you feel it's 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 you. Um, if you have a choice of two, so let's say a person is a lawyer, and he can work for a firm that has reasonable hours, and or for the government if you're in Silver Spring, government is amazing. They have. They have more federal holidays than the Chiddush Rebbe as your side. They're, 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 they're just an amazing place. So, so, so you, don't, you earn much less. It's not, it's not a, a cutthroat firm. But on the other hand, you have a lot more time for learning versus being in a law firm that people feel you have to be married to the firm but you make a lot of money. Those are the places where that choice should be made. But in terms of an area of profession, generally speaking, it, it needs to be something that speaks to your abilities and to, and, and, and to who you are. Maybe just one or two more questions. Uh, yeah. might differ on each individual, but the the value of moving to Israel, should it be on the forefront of our mind constantly, or should it be more of a natural? Oh, it seems like it's the right time to move. So, there's two issues. There are a few things. First of all, it says, Bochavakuk vehemidon al-achas. Chavakuk came and put all of Torah on one Nakuda. Someone else speaks about it that it's it means t- Torah can be in, can Torah can emanate from different <coughs> points. And different Drachim have put different focus points as the Midan al Achas. There is a Shiva world where Talmud Torah is going to cool them, and the first question is where can you remain in Torah the most? at the highest level. And that's the focus. Everything else feeds into that, will come from it, and so on. There is a world where being over Hashem with Yira and Ava, with tremendous emotional outpouring, is the point, the focal point, where everything comes from, and everything feeds into it. There is a derech, where Eretz should be the focal point. And in Eretz you'll find everything else. If, if, a per, if that's a person's derech, then it's a moot point. Then, unless there are extraordinary reasons not to go to Israel, 
this is your derech, your shita. But um, whether it's your derech or not, feeling the zika and keshet at Yisrael is very important. I always tell people, why don't you spend a few weeks a year in Yisrael? Your family spend that so. Some people, if people speak about moving, I say moving is very difficult. It takes us a lot to take into Cheshmer. But keep the Kesha. Keep that, and like I said, they have Yachikalas and Yeshivas here. <coughs> keep the Kesha at Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has made it a place where Torah is at its most vital, most uh, uh, vibrant, and, and everything. So, so keeping a Kesha with Yisrael is very important. Personally, moving there, it depends on a lot of personal decisions. And, and it's not an easy decision. It's also something you need to ask. There's, there are a lot of pieces that have to place, and it's a lot of responsibility. So, A, it depends what your shita is, what is your main shita, what's the hemidah nalachas. And two, somebody can help you and say, go for it, or, you know, it's a shame, but I think for you, there'll be too many issues, and, and, and you, you're risking too much. You, only a personal Rebbe can help you make a decision like that. Yes? Uh, how do you advise someone going from, like, yeshiva to, you know, like, next year secular college? Um, how do you advise maintaining the... So the first thing I advise is to go to a non-secular college. <laughs> um, I'm serious. It, it's, you, you're getting... I, I, I can't speak as perfectly long, but places like Yeshiva University, like Landers College, like other programs, I don't believe that, that, their, that their education is inferior. Yes, it's not MIT, it's not Harvard, but it's good, it's robust, and you're able to maintain Yiddishkeit, which is very valuable. It is, it, it, and, and therefore, to try to make that is very important, because the secular college, the, the, the classes you take is really a minority picture. You talk about becoming part of a culture, and a very powerful culture. Uh, uh, and, and, and you need to ask yourself, why would I want to do that, instead of going to a place that, that has a, a, a non, even, even things like Torah cards with other, with other programs. There are many ways to do it. There, 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 wherever you go, finding a place that you can touch base with, and be part of it, that's not part of the college, but that you feel at home, a base medrash, an environment, is very crucial. Because you need to be able to look yourself every so often and say, this is them and this is me. When there is no me, then you become, then you become part of them. And that's where, it's, that's where it's, 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 everything tends to fall apart. So, so I, I would cons- tell you, I, I don't know your personal experience, to consider very strongly finding a program that, that allows you to be in, in a yeshiva, yeshiva of life part-time, and two, something which, if, if you're not, to find a base medrash outside of the college campus, where you can go and say, okay, this is this, this is me. Okay, maybe one more question, that's it. Uh, yes? Um, how, how should someone in the yeshiva or college balance learning that family and friends are also very important? So the truth is, all of life, the question is going to haunt you. Um, when you get married, you'll have a job, you'll have a wife, you'll have children, you have a community. The, 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 our lives require a lot of balancing. So, one or two guidelines. <coughs> you can't have a situation 
where one of these elements that you mentioned is completely out. In other words, no time for family, no time for personal growth or learning, no time to helping somebody, no time to doing something minimal for the kalal. All of these are vital, and the question is just how, what degree. And getting a sense, look around at people that you see in your framework that you can admire. This is a person that is a Ben Aliyah. Get a feel for how that person does it, and see if it applies to you. That's something I think that you could possibly, something you could possibly do. Okay, it's... What? Okay, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I guess so. Um, I, I think, again, we, um, the Shiva by us has a different balance than why you land this. We, um, we do have a, a very good work relationship with the University of Maryland, but the yeshiva is a real yeshiva. We are open to people coming part-time. There's the yeshiva itself, which is people learning two starim and doing some things of it. But the learning yeshiva is real. And we also work a lot on hashkafen yanim, understanding that people who are part of the world need to understand the world. We also have try to have a very personal connection and try to keep that connection. Since we really feel that a Rebbe going forward in life is very important, we, we keep, we, we every, every year we have get-togethers for alumni in different places because we feel that Ruchnius and Yeshivas for life. The, the, the foundation is cast in the base medish, but, but the, the continuation of it is what it's about. So if, if you feel you might be interested, please, you can come by sometime spend a day or two, and if you feel, we, we tried, we've worked out a lot of different programs, a lot of graduate degree programs, where you can get the best of both worlds, and if it fits and works for you, we'd be very, very happy to, to, to have you as Hashem. Okay. Just one uh, recommendation. The Roshiva did not bring his farm here, but I would highly, we gave out this farm last year to the, well, last year, two years ago, to the boys. The farm are not here, but in any farm where you can get it. Ventor uh, for life. It's a fantastic, fantastic blueprint for anybody that's going into the workforce. It's a very easy, safer to read through, but very, very, very formative and very important for your life. Um, for those who want to go to the Parsha and know the Yisodos, and want to know the Yisodos of each Parsha, based on the Rishonim, fantastic safer that I use daily, actually. Sefer Yisodei HaTorah, also written by the Rosh Shiva, uh, compiled, compiled, I should say. Compiled by the Shiva because it's a, com- it's a compilation of, of only, it's only Rishonim, that uh, the, the Ikka Rishonim on each Parsha. So it's not in English, it's, uh, it's, it's the Rishonim, uh, you know, quote from the Rishonim, but very, very, very fantastic, fantastic uh, tool for going through the Parsha. I'd like to thank the Shiva for coming, and again, if anybody has any questions, I think the Mashiach is going to be here Thursday, also. Thank you all. Okay. Very nice to you. Thank you. Thank you.